0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 925 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, April the 13th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a ton of stuff for you. We've got the local NHL shows breaking down the NHL trade deadline that went down yesterday. We've, of course, got your NBA shows, Locked on NBA Draft, if you are getting in the mood for draft season, as Toronto Raptors fans just might be. Uh, No shortage of stuff for you to check out and support, and we always appreciate you subscribing, rating, reviewing, following, all of that good stuff. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week. Not sure of day and time just yet. Thinking Thursday, most likely, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Keep an eye out for announcements on when we will be doing this week's Locker Room with myself, Vivek, Katie. They're a lot of fun. They're having uh, We're having a good time with those, so uh, keep an eye out. All right, on today's show, it's just me going solo to answer your mailbag questions. Uh, it's like the first non-game recap day we've had in a while it seems because the Raptors play every single night and so I'm taking the opportunity to take some of your questions the first question we'll get to here we have a bunch today there's like some related to tanking some related to um, you know plans for next year stuff like that Uh, we'll, we'll get into all of that on today's show but the first one here is from Adam Armbrecht, who is the co-host of Locked on Nets. If you're you are listening, want to listen to a podcast about a good team, go listen to Locked on Nets. Adam and Doug Norrie do a great job. Anyway, Adam says, One change. The Raptors are able to play at home this season. Where are they now? Um, I've been thinking about this one a lot, and I've made the point quite a bit that I think, under normal circumstances, and this applies to both being free of the shackles of Tampa and also kind of avoiding the COVID plague that knocked them out for a month. I really do think this is a team that's comfortably in the playoffs, probably fighting for home court. You know, the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference doesn't seem all that unattainable. And I think under normal circumstances, if they were playing the basketball, they were playing for that beautiful, like, 15-9 and stretch they had where they were, you know, beefing up their net rating, they were beating a lot of really good teams in the process, Milwaukee, Philly, whatever it might be, that was... To me, like what this team could have been if everything was normal. And obviously, you can't sort of take the pandemic side of things out of all of all of this. So I would say, you know, if we're assuming they played in Canada, but also still had a run in with COVID and lost three weeks for three of the most important players. You know, I think they probably are somewhere around 500 as opposed to 21 and 33. They're probably in that mix of teams kind of fighting between 5th and 10th or 5th and 8th, whatever it might be. I guess the paces are falling off a tiny little bit, I suppose, and same with the with the Bulls. But yeah, I, I think they'd be comfortably in the top half of the play in at the very least and probably... Like fifth or sixth, because this is a good team. And I don't think the two and eight start happens if they aren't just fresh off of relocating to a new country on short notice and finding homes and having that short turnaround preseason compounded by all the things going on in their own personal lives that weren't yet settled. And so... Yeah, I think you could probably reasonably expect that 2-8 and eight start doesn't happen. Maybe they start 7-3 and three or 6-4 and four or something like that instead, and they get off to a much better start. And they're able to withstand the blow that was the COVID outbreak on the team a little bit more capably. And they just have more cushion in the standings to absorb that hit where you don't win a game for three weeks because of the plague. So yeah I, I think probably like I don't know what are they 21 and 33 probably something along the lines of like 27 and 27 28 and 26. I think that would be kind of where they'd be right now if uh the Tampa of it all was taken out and maybe I'm putting too much on Tampa. maybe I'm uh, unfairly casting blame at our poor Floridian friends, but I don't think I am. <laughs> it seems like they're over this shit. they've been playing road games all season long they it's just it's gotta not be. The greatest situation and it has to definitely have uh you know negative cascading effects on the performance of the team I, I stand by that and i do think next season a big reason why i'm so optimistic about next year is that i think the the playing at home thing will just be uh an enormous boost to the record and the vibes and all that stuff so that's my answer to that thanks to adam for the question this next one here comes from freddie revis who asks who is the best dunk-off-style dunker on the Raptors? This is a very good question. Norman Powell's gone. And I don't know if Norm Powell was the answer to this because Norm, very good in-game dunker, but kind of like, I don't know, is it weird to say that like his bow-leggedness and his sort of rigid way of moving didn't really lend itself, in my mind at least, to him potentially being a good dunk contest guy? Very like straight line, sort of dunk on a dude's head with force kind of guy and not really one for the acrobatics, I don't think. Maybe that's unfairly casting Norm as a non-dunker in a dunk contest setting, but looking at the team now, it's funny. I've been thinking about this a little bit because Yuta Watanabe was throwing down some fun dunks um, both in-game and after the whistle in the game on Saturday against the Cavs and maybe I think against the Knicks as well, I can't quite recall, but... I do think there's a case that Yuta's the guy, and there would be some fun sort of, uh, like, redemption elements to it if he were to be in a dunk contest, just considering what's happened to him uh, on the other side of things with dudes dunking on his head. Uh, So I think he's maybe the answer. You know, OG doesn't really strike me as a dunk contest guy either. He very much kind of isn't like the big man world where he's just dunking on you because he's stronger than you. I've always kind of had my gripes with Pascal Siakam's dunking style just because he doesn't really rattle the rim. It's kind of a, a soft place in of the basketball more than anything else. So I think Pascal's out as well. And again, he kind of has that uh, Norm vibe where he's kind of um, you know, a bit more straight line. It, it's the dunks are meant to score buckets. They're not meant for style points when you're Pascal Siakam. OG a little bit more, and I could be talked into it, but again, you know, just kind of the way he dribbles and the way He moves. It doesn't exactly strike me as this guy's like a finesse-based dunker. He's very much power, and you love to see it. I love his dunks. They're very loud. He does the thing that Siakam doesn't and snap the rim, but I don't know if he has the, uh, you know, like a a 360 in him or anything like that. And that leaves you with... You know, the point guard's obviously not going to be part of this conversation. Uh, I think DeAndre Bembry's, again, sort of a more, uh, you know, his dunks are about utility and not exactly about uh, style points either. Is probably down to, if we're looking for contenders to, um, God, who the hell am I saying? is? Oh, Utah. I think Gary Trent Jr., we haven't quite seen enough of his dunks. You know, he, he can dunk. That's good. Um, maybe there's some potential to be mined there. And then Chris Boucher, obviously, I feel like he could have a field day with the sort of assisted dunks where you have someone like heading a basketball to you in the vein of Steve Nash or throwing something off backboard. Maybe he could do the two-basket dunk like JaVale McGee did just because he's so long and gangly. Um, But I think the sort of solo dunks, Boucher might lack the coordination to pull off on his own. So if we're going with like you have a partner in props, Boucher might have a chance here, but... I'm going to go Utah. Uh fun stuff, Utah Watanabe, put him in the dunk contest against Anthony Edwards and let them uh, duel it out for, uh, I guess, dunk supremacy, I guess Anthony Edwards will always have that on him because of the dunk he threw down on him earlier this season. We got more coming up. I have a bunch more mailbag mail questions going to get to. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Locker Room. They are the first ever social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On once a week. And yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here on the podcast every single Day. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reaction to big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even have a chance to be featured on this podcast, considering sometimes I'm going to repurpose those clips and put them on the show. Be sure to join me this week. Myself, Yvette Jacob, Katie Heindel will be hosting a room probably on Thursday. More updates on that to come as we iron out. Schedules, so keep an eye out there. Go download the free locker room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group that you want to be in, whether it's NBA, NFL, NHL, whatever it could be, and follow me, at Sean Woodley, to be notified when my rooms go live. I know you don't want to miss it, and I'm planning again this week, Thursday, myself, Evek, Katie. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the uh, Locked On Raptors uh, locker room. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk about sports. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com, who are changing the way we think about going to the mechanic, baby. The mechanic is never trying to save you money. They want to charge you as much for that part that you need as possible. That's not how Rock Auto rolls, man. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, manufacturers, You have everything from the important stuff like the engine pieces and brake parts and all that to more aesthetic things like new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is so easy to use. If I can use it, you can use it. I'm a dum-dum, and I don't know anything about cars, and I still know exactly how to navigate their wonderfully intuitive website. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, just a heads up, tomorrow's episode, we will be talking about the Atlanta Hawks game. I'm working on a guest, uh, hopefully we can line one up, but if not, we will we'll, uh, go solo to talk about Raptors Hawks going down tonight in Tampa. All right, let's continue on with the mailbag questions. Again, lots of really good ones came in today. I'm going to have to probably skip a couple, and I'm sorry for that. This one here comes from uh, Alex McDonald. He asks, I'm, uh, and I'm very sorry if I mispronounced the last name, uh you can yell at me on Twitter. That's fine. Um, can I convince you that we should rest players for the sake of rest in this hell season without a alluding to the scary T word. Of course I have muted tanking on Twitter. I'm done talking about tanking. I think tanking is bad. I don't need to share my opinions on it anymore. Um, there's a compelling argument to be made, though, that rest should be part of the Raptors' plans going down the stretch here, especially if they lose touch with Chicago, which the Bulls aren't exactly doing the Raptors any favors in that, and that decision-making process, because the Bulls are losing a lot of games. Look, I think there's a case that Sporadic rest, like we saw with Pascal and OG over the weekend, is totally within the realm of things that the Raptors should be doing. I think considering how compressed the schedule is, considering what we're seeing with injuries around the league, uh, big shouts to Jamal Murray. Hope he's okay. God, that sucks and uh, is miserable. I, I think the... Um, yeah, I, I just... I can't get on board with, like, resting guys for the entire season. Like, I can't get on board with the Al Horford shit because that, to me, is just, like, real loser garbage, like, not even basketball behavior. And I understand people want to tank. I understand people want to get that best draft pick they could possibly get. I hate to say it, but I think there's very little possibility that Raptors are getting any higher than, like, sixth in the tank standings because the teams below them are stinky. They're very bad. Maybe fifth. That's where the Cavs are right now at 19 and 34. They're not getting to fourth. The best they're going to get at a chance at a top four pick is a 42.1% chance if they get to fifth. And ultimately they're, Percentage chance of getting number one overall is really not all that changed. It's pretty flat. So if they're fifth, they have a ten point five percent chance. If they're eighth, where they are now, they have a six percent chance. Both tiny percent chances. Both big enough, I guess, that you can sell some hope on it. But honestly, I, you know, if they stay in that range, if they even fall down to ninth, where the where the Sacramento Kings are, then it's a four point five percent chance. You know, having a little bit of a chance at a number one pick is great. I don't think the extra percentage chances, or extra percentage points, mean all that much. Um, and the math people can get mad at me for the for, for like the blatant disregarding of math. But I really don't think the, the subtle percentage point differences are worth just like benching your guys entirely and pulling a thunder. The thunder are garbage. The thunder are a trash dirt franchise, and I don't want the Raptors to do that. Um, I, like I said, I think with how compressed the schedule is, the sporadic resting is totally fine, especially on back to backs and things like that. You don't want to be overburdening guys in terms of you know, running them into the ground for a season that is going nowhere. But I don't think it sends the right message to shut guys down entirely. And you know, you talk about culture and you know winning habits and all that stuff. You know, I think the signal that saying, okay, Pascal, you're just going to sit for the next 18 games sends is not very good and not really in line with what the Raptors have been about for a very, very long time. I think they're going to try to win games. I think where the rest really needs to happen is on Nick Nurse's end, where I think Nurse can certainly, you know, calm down the uh, playing of 40 minutes for Pascal and OG and Fred and Kyle, uh, certainly you can kind of ring that. And I think Kyle played like 21 minutes in the first half against the Knicks. That's probably not what you want, especially in his first game back. But I I don't think the answer is to just not play guys at all. You know, If you want to pare down Siakam's minutes to 29 to 31 a game and and roll with it, then that's fine. Um, I'm of the mind that if you win games when you're leaning into development and sort of you know, you're know, you playing Malachi Flynn a ton, you're playing Freddie Gillespie a ton to get a look at him, I, and you're winning games that way, that's totally fine with me, I don't mind winning games, that is ultimately a good thing for player development and the future of the team if they're winning games while leaning into development, but I don't think you want to lean, get, win games or play games without your best players for a big chunk of the str- stretch. Uh, be- stretch run just because the the season is going nowhere so that's where i'm at on that i think you can be more strategic with rest and all that but i don't think shutting players down is the answer by any means uh next question here comes in from uh tim at t underscore y 31 asks excuse me if you've already addressed it at some point but is there any particular reason for the raptors third quarter woes Uh, (laughs) the, the the hell season making no sense probably I was going through this today. Uh, the Raptors are number 27 in net rating in third quarters. I believe they're number 22 or 23 in second quarters as well. They're about 11th in first quarters. They're number two in fourth quarters, right behind the Lakers. Um, speaking to the Raptors' incredible garbage time acumen, maybe the best garbage time team in the history of the NBA, which you love to see, um, I guess if that's the thing you're into. But I think for me, the um, the third quarter struggles it's hard to like piece it together because they haven't been running like the same lineups out at all. You know, it's been so scattershot. It's been so hit and miss, you know, you'd think, Oh, maybe there's just like, they're playing Aaron Baines a lot in third quarters. And that's why things are going wrong. But that doesn't line up with what's going on in first quarters where they have played Aaron Baines a lot as well. And they've been a little bit better. They have a positive net rating, a plus 3.2 net rating in first quarters all season long. So that doesn't really check out. I think maybe there's something to the idea of like, just fatigue maybe kicking in or something. That also doesn't make a ton of sense, though, because, again, the the lineups have been so all over the place and there have been different guys in and out. I honestly think the third quarter thing is just an aberration. And, you know, I think the fourth quarter thing also speaks to how maybe underwhelming the team is has, has been in, on, the, on the whole because I think the fourth quarter stuff is largely built out of garbage time because it doesn't quite check out that they'd be number two in fourth quarter net rating, but also one of the worst crunch time teams in the league, it feels like they're really juicing up that net rating in games that don't really matter, with those fake comebacks that we love so much that Matt Devlin gets so into, and... It's you know I think the second and third quarters are kind of more indicative of what this team is, and though those sort of stretches of games I think speak to the lack of depth, right? You know the first quarters you're playing your starters the line share of the minutes, and then you get to the second quarter you're playing your bench guys a ton. Your third quarter maybe you have early subs you're trying to you know line up your minutes for crunch time and all that stuff, so you're not playing your guys quite as deep into the third quarter as you would the first perhaps, and uh, you know and then you're kind of leading yourself to those fake comebacks in the fourth again with mostly starters. So. That's kind of the best explanation. It's weird for sure. um, But every team kind of has these weird sort of oddities that go on in games and it can last for one season and never come back again. And I kind of think that's what we'll see with the Raptors and their third quarter woes uh we'll get some more of your questions coming up in just one second but first before we do that i want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action football and college basketball are over but don't worry you've got nightly nba action the nhl mlb is now in full swing BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news scores and odds and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up. Just head over to betonline.ag and sign up today for a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, when you put in 100 bucks, you get 50% more added to your account. You get 150 bucks to start off with. That is a great deal. You just got to use the promo code LOCKEDON all one word at betonline.ag. Your online sports experts. All right, before we wrap up, I just wanted to take one second. I meant to do this off the top of the show, but it has dawned on me that I missed doing that off the top of the show. I just want to wish a uh, wonderful and happy Ramadan to all of our Muslim listeners. I know we have a lot of Muslim listeners to the podcast. I hope that you have a wonderful month ahead of you and uh, enjoy any way you celebrate. Um, let's get back into the questions from the listeners once again. Uh, we've got a few more before we get out of here. The next one I want to get to is from Jeff Lowe, who asked, do you have Any idea what the Raptors players and coaches really want out of this year? The players seem content with how it's playing out. Is it really just as simple as if they make the play in great and if they don't, oh, well, honestly, you know, I think if you gave them truth serum, I think all the players would say, yeah, we want to make the playoffs. I don't think professional basketball players give a damn about tanking or bringing in a new rookie who's eventually going to take one of their jobs away. I don't think that's how basketball players are wired. I don't think that's how coaches are wired. Tanking is a front office thing, and winning and trying hard is a coaches and players thing, and that's how they're wired, and it'd be a problem if they weren't wired that way. I I think when it comes to the Raptors, just with how the situation has played out this season and how nightmarish this whole year has been, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, if they don't make the play-in, they probably won't be too broken up about getting to leave Tampa Bay a little bit early. Obviously, you'd like to make it. Obviously, you want to be in the playoffs. Uh, If you're a professional athlete, you're a competitor. I can't see why you wouldn't want to be. But I just think with how much this season has kind of ground the entire operation in the dust, the way they talk about how it's affected their mental health, I think they'd probably be okay if they ended up not making the the play-in. And as a fan, I think that's also a totally fine way to look at it. I've kind of really kind of given up on caring about what the outcomes are in these given games and just kind of enjoying them for what they are. If they win by 20, that's great. If they lose in a close game, then yeah, that's disappointing in the moment, but you get over it pretty quickly because, you know, there's another one coming up tomorrow, probably because the schedule never ends. And, it's there really are to sort of these three hour capsules where you can kind of just enjoy or not enjoy whatever it might be. And it, there's not a lot to sort of tie each game together at this point. And the playoff chase, you know, if it were, if it were like the real playoffs and you could kind of you know hang your hat on oh yeah we climbed all the way back up to eighth and we got in the postseason and we're looking like a dangerous team and maybe the Sixers steal the one seed and you're like oh yeah maybe you can talk yourself into beating Philly in round one then sure I think that'd be okay but there's so much like unknown with the play-in and you know it's unsure you know where they'll end up the Nets loom you know playing the Nets in the first round seems like kind of miserable um even though the Raptors have eliminated Kevin Durant's team two years running now and I'm sure would relish the opportunity to take it a third time um But, yeah, it it really does feel like everyone's kind of just whatever happens, happens. And, you know, again, I think the players and coaches, if you gave them truth theorem, would say they want to win and and make the playoffs. But, again, I don't think anyone's going to lose a ton of sleep if they get out of Tampa early and move on. And it's just, I think it's just a one-off thing. I don't think that's, like, indicative of anything. I think it's just this season in particular is garbage. And wanting to get out of it is probably not the worst thing in the world. Uh, next question here comes from Craig Edmonds. He asks, In a perfect world, what should the Raptors look to do with Lowry next year? Do they offer him the two-year $50 million he wants in an attempt to run it back? Do they sign and trade him to wherever he wants to go? Or do they let him walk and go with Van Vliet, Gary Trent, OG, Siakam, and whoever? This is... Look, I, I want Kyle Lowry back. Um, we saw him play in that game on sa- Sunday and saw exactly how good he remains. He's excellent. He's very, very good at basketball, and I want to watch him play for the team I like. Longer. And also, honestly, one of my most driving sort of motivations with watching this team is uh, the idea of getting to watch Kyle Larry back in Toronto again soon and getting one more game back in Toronto. That's like honestly one of the things I value the most about this offseason is just trying to get that to happen. And maybe that's sentimental and all that, but. Sports are sentimental, and I think most Raptors fans would agree they don't want to have already seen Kyle Lowry's last game in Toronto, which I believe was a loss in crunch time to the Charlotte Hornets. That's not exactly the way you want to go out in terms of your final game in the arena that you did so many wonderful, great things in. So that's a big part of it to me in the calculus and the sort of feelings of it all. And again, that makes me not a very good general manager because I would be driven by feelings far more than I should be probably in building a team. But I think that's something that matters. I also think, you know, it's going to depend, I think, on what happens in the draft and and the draft lottery and what the Raptors end up doing with their pick if they end up drafting Cade Cunningham. You know, he's, uh, you know, he'll be expensive for a first-round pick because he'll be the first overall pick, but you can sort of slot him into your team, and then you can, you know, add in Kyle, and you just sort of—you're not looking to go make a big free agent ad because you just added Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley, whoever it might be if you get one or two. Maybe they also look at making a trade of some kind, though. If they end up with the three through eight pick, whatever it might be— if that's perceived as valuable around the league, maybe they can get into some pretty big conversations for stars. And does that require sending out a Fred Van Vliet as salary matching and, and, and trade package building for a star? And if so, does that mean Kyle comes back as your point guard with Malachi Flynn as the backup? You know, it's there's so many fluid decisions. And this is part of the the nice thing about this Raptors offseason is they have options out the wazoo. They can do a ton of different things with Lowry. If you're asking me if I'm comfortable with the two years 50 million, look, this might be a little bit on the high end for what Kyle is right now. He's going to be 36 next year. Um, there's been some drop off defensively this season and all that and some drop off in the overall impact numbers. He's still Kyle freaking Lowry, though, and I think I'm pretty comfortable paying that money because it's not my own money. And um, you, when you get into the tax, obviously, it's not just a, oh, they're cheap, didn't pay the tax thing. It's like it actually tangibly affects how you can build the team. And so you don't want to be in the tax if you don't have to be. Uh, which they might end up being if they want Lowry and somebody else out there, but I, I really I, I feel pretty good about the two years fifty for Kyle and you know running that back too. If they want to go the other elsewhere and sign and trade him, like I think that's fine as well. If if Kyle says uh, I want to go play for some other team, you can get an asset back and a sign and trade, then great. I, I just I think there are a lot of reasons to be hopeful for this offseason and excited about this offseason because there is no one answer to this question. I don't think there is a perfect world answer to what the Raptors do with Lowry. There's a million different things that could happen and different fortunes that could change if they win the draft lottery or whatever it might be. And, you know, maybe there's a free agent who becomes, you know, attainable via offer sheet. Maybe the Hawks signal that they don't don't want John Collins and the Raptors want to go after that. And maybe that means they have to renounce Kyle. And, and then they go from there. You know, there's, there's lots of different ways this could go. I don't think I'm upset with any of them. I'm I'm happy with the optionality and I'm sure the Raptors are too. Uh, Let's get to one more question. This one here comes from ASP. uh, Chris Boucher is quite an intriguing player. What do you think his ceiling is? Surely there's no player comparison. Is there? And what type of lineups does he maximize? And does his shot blocking and offense make up for his defensive weaknesses? I look, (laughs) I, I hesitate to say Anything about uh Chris Boucher on the podcast, because anytime I say anything somewhat scathing, he'll go out and put up 38-19 the next game. In a loss, fair, but it was a loss that I think was expected last week against the Bulls with nobody available. Um yeah. <laughs> I think I think Chris Boucher is kind of what he is. Is that fair? He's 28 years old, like there's not a ton of room left on the development curve, I don't think, for Chris Boucher. I'm sure there could be some sort of tightening up of his defensive attentiveness and awareness, but I I don't think he's being done any favors this year just by the situation because he's not really getting to play one position to kind of get comfortable with it over the course of the year. He's oscillating back between power forward where I think he's most useful uh, and center where I think he's very much out of his depth and just by necessity that he's playing a lot of the five. You know, I think I'll kind of go with what I've said all the time with Chris Boucher. He's one of the most fun regular season players to have on your team you want to pay for that guy because he is gonna brighten up your season and the regular season matters it's six months of your life you want to have nights sort of uh adorned by chris boucher going off with some crazy performance but you also i don't think want to be relying on chris boucher for high leverage important minutes in big regular season games or in the postseason. I'm not sure if I'll ever trust Chris Boucher in a playoff game because his defensive awareness is just not there. And his shot blocking, even though it's amazing, it often comes as a product of kind of being out of position and having to make up for some sort of error in team defense that he's got. You know, going to go wipe it away. And that's good. It's good that he can do that. That's an asset to have. It allows him to play more aggressively to get out of position because he can get back and block those shots. But as a sort of General rule, I'd like my team defenders to, uh, you know, take the team defense part of things a little bit more seriously, and so I, I think his ceiling is kind of is what he is right now, a six man contender type guy who is one of the more fun players in the league to watch. Always a guy who sort of casuals and people who really just look at points per game will say this guy should be playing more. <laughs> I think he's honestly the Chris Boucher discussion is so affected by the fact that he is a like fantasy basketball darling i think people will sort of see him in fantasy basketball and say oh my god this guy's incredible he's putting up like historic per 36 numbers but then when you watch him in practice you know there's reasons why he's not playing more than the 22 23 minutes he's getting is because there are lots of weaknesses there particularly on the defensive end and on offense too right he's kind of you know he's a pick and pop guy he can roll although his roles are often very sort of strange and you're not really sure how that adventure is going to end um, but, like, he doesn't post up. He doesn't put the ball on the deck at all. He doesn't really pass. Like, there are lots of different weaknesses on the offensive side of things, too. And your offense becomes so about Chris Boucher when he's out there that I think you can kind of take away from what else you have. And, again, Chris Boucher is awesome. He's so fun. And I think as a bench power forward playing next to a steady center, he can absolutely be what you need him to be. But I don't think it does him any favors or does anybody else any favors by expecting him to be some sort of, you know, next wave you know, shut down defensive player for the Raptors who's going to play big time high leverage minutes down the line. I just don't think that's happening. But for six and a half million bucks, it's fine that it doesn't. And he will uh, delight you along the way as he has this season. That's going to do it for today's episode. I want to thank everybody who sent in questions. I apologize to those questions I did not get to or those who sent questions who uh, that I didn't get to. Um, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And hopefully we can get, your, get to your question next time. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please subscribe to, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And uh, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk about the Raptors game against the Hawks. And uh, it'll be a good time. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Bye-bye.